The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the Expensive Words Podcast, a.k.a. the IGTV account for literary symmetry. This is Kristen, your host, head, uh, chief editor and founder of Literary Symmetry, the editing co-op for all of your writing needs. Uh, today, we are going to be getting into Story Bootcamp Part 8, which means that I'm going to read you some stuff that I wrote, and then you're going to go to your story. And if you remember, in the last episode, we talked about how to start your fictional story, how to gather inspiration from real life, and how to use the autobiographical uh, short story we wrote at the beginning of Story Boot Camp in order to understand how to channel uh, sensory imagery into emotion so that you can grab the reader right away from the very first sentence. And I read to you Alone in Nashville at Christmas Part 1. And today I'm going to read you Alone in Nashville at Christmas Part 2, which took a unexpected, um, an unexpected turn. <laughs> Which I wasn't really planning, but then I was like, you know, I'm just going to go with it. This seems like this maybe would have happened. And uh, <laughs> so we're just going to dive into that. But before I tell you about that, I want to let you know about uh, some fun stuff that's happening on Literary Symmetry's Instagram. If you go to literary, at Literary Symmetry on Instagram, you can find some fun memes. And also yesterday I posted a meme about feeling power and understanding how to use a semicolon. And if you don't know how to use one, I explain it and I give an example so you don't ever have to worry about improperly using a semicolon ever again. Semi, semi, semicolon. So that's going to, yeah, go on there, read that. It's funny and it's fun and informative. Okay, so let's get into Alone in Nashville at Christmas Part 2. And um, I, like I said, the story kind of changed some things when I wasn't planning to. So what I basically do for this is um, we I write it and then I kind of leave it and I look at it one more time and then I read it to you. And when I'm reading it aloud, I always figure out things that need to be fixed. So like I went back and fixed all the stuff that needed to be changed in part one after I did this recording. And so um, I, I do that because I want you to understand my editing process because you're just writing it, right? But at some point, you're going to have to have someone edit it. And so I want you to understand the process that I go through as a writer. I don't normally self-edit my stuff. I mean, I do like two passes, and then I hand it over to my copy editor, who also works at Literary Symmetry, Maria, who is like 
really working hard right now on a fun manuscript that she um, can't talk about at the moment, but when it's out, she'll be able to give you some some information on how you can get that book, which is an experience, let's say that. So that's really exciting. And let's go ahead and get started on Alone in Nashville at Christmas Part. Alone in Nashville at Christmas Part 2. Okay. As she crossed the street, she waited for the vibration to buzz against her body from her pocket coat, but nothing came. The Nashville Parthenon stared at her from one side of Centennial Park. She wondered if it really looked anything like its inspirational Wonder of the World counterpart in Athens, Greece. But from what she had seen in pictures, that one, the real one, wasn't pinkish-yellow. Next to a bar, past McDonald's and Wendy's, that hot chicken, though, wasn't really a food place. It was a hole in a wall with a chalkboard menu over the hole. There were eight stools that didn't... There were eight stools that lined high shelves on each side where a gate kept people out when it wasn't open. Joelle didn't care about the lack of ambiance. She needed hot chicken. A hot chicken sandwich, to be precise. A number 12 with mac and cheese instead of fries, please, she said, as a man with wire-rimmed glasses poked his head through the sliding window of the hole in the wall. What level of spice? Hot, she said. His eyes widened. Are you sure? I'm a local, she said. Okay, the man's voice pitched up at the end as if to say, don't get mad at me when your nose starts running and your eyes start watering. Joelle knew that neither of those things would happen. She couldn't believe that the man didn't recognize her by now. She had been going to that hot chicken, though, for the last three years at least once a week. In his defense, though, he probably sees a ton of college students every day. Joelle pulled out her phone, still shocked that Christy hadn't messaged back. Aren't you going to try to convince me I should let you come get me? She texted. No, I know you won't listen. Plus, I'm in the middle of making cinnamon roll dough for tomorrow morning. Merry Christmas, Joelle. When I get back, we are definitely having a serious conversation about Ethan and all of this. That was way too easy, Joelle thought, sliding herself onto the stool in the corner of the wired-in outdoor area. Hopefully she's not plotting anything. Her phone buzzed again. Hey, honey, Daddy and I hope you're having a good Christmas Eve in Nashville. I hope your plans with your friends tomorrow go well. Remember, you have to be careful with those old ovens in the common area. You wouldn't want to light your dorm on fire like those kids in that article I sent you. Joelle rolled her eyes, even though there was no way for her mother to see them. Thanks, Mom. I'll be careful, promise. The sad truth was that Joelle planned to eat her Christmas meal alone. She had Ubered to Whole Foods the day before, bought a bunch of food from the hot food section to microwave, and walked back with her backpack full of sloshing containers. She should have Ubered home instead of there. That wasn't a mistake she would make again. She had opted for squash soup, mashed potatoes, gravy, and mac and cheese. It wasn't the healthiest holiday meal, but she didn't want to eat turkey her mother hadn't made. That would be even more depressing than eating alone on Christmas morning, which Joelle guessed was already going to be plenty depressing. Here's your sandwich. Napkins are on the shelf, the man said through the window. Thanks. Joelle grabbed the white styrofoam takeout box and headed to her corner headed back to her corner, taking a handful of napkins out of the holder and placing them in a pile next to her food. She knew she was going to need them. 
As she bit into the freshly fried chicken, the physical heat is what caused her eyes to tear up, not the spice. She wished she could make the man behind the window understand that, because she didn't want him to have the satisfaction of thinking it was too spicy for her. As she worked her way through the delicious sandwich with its tangy coleslaw and house sauce, the tiny place gained five new customers, a group of friends, probably around Joelle's age. Her face was covered with sauces, and it was also dripping off of her hands. The sandwich was starting to fall apart, but Joelle hadn't planned to miss a drop or morsel. She just stared back at the man. Oh, I skipped a line. Sorry. Can I tell you something? One of the strangers walked up to Joelle. Her face was covered with sauces, and it was also dripping off of her hands. The sandwich was starting to fall apart, but Joel hadn't planned to miss a drop or mor morsel. She just stared back at the man. He was wearing a Vanderbilt beanie. Joelle nodded with her mouth full. It's so refreshing to see a woman not care about how she looks when she's eating. I brought a date here, and she totally freaked out. Something about calories and mess. We ended up leaving and going somewhere she could order a salad and eat with a fork. Not that eating healthy is bad, but... Joelle swallowed the bit in her mouth. But hot chicken is a must, right? Exactly. I love this place. No tourists, good prices, great chicken. Me too. I come here at least once a week. I'm Henry. Nice to meet you. I won't bother trying to shake your hand. Hi, Henry. I'm Joelle. I'd love to talk some more, but I can't afford to let this sandwich get cold and gross. And there's a mistake. I wrote can instead of can't. So I'm just going to... Note that for myself later. All right. Do, 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 do. I understand completely. Enjoy your food. Thanks, you too. Joelle shoved another bite into her mouth as Henry rejoined his friends. Suddenly, she felt lighter. If she had brought Ethan here, would he have understood? Or would he have expected her to be like one of those fork-only girls? Could she have eaten the sandwich in front of him without feeling self-conscious? Probably not, was the answer she came up with. And did she really want to go out with a guy who wouldn't understand how girls could also sloppily eat a delicious hot chicken sandwich at a weird hole-in-the-wall place? Hadn't Christy brought this sort of situation up when asking about what kind of guy Ethan was? The people Christy dated were always laid back, meaning Christy could be herself around them. Joelle wondered if she herself had even been interested in someone like that. Maybe Ethan would have been fine with it, actually, and she was the problem, because even if he had been, she would have still been way too worried about what he would think. What's wrong? You stopped eating. Henry now had his own white styrofoam container. I was just thinking, I'm the problem. Joelle set her sandwich in his container. What? Henry's friends were also there now, all men. You guys go to Vandy. Uh, you guys go to Vandy, right? Yeah, Henry said. Me too. I was wondering if my dating issues have more to do with me than the guys I like. How so? Henry asked. Okay, I'm just going to stop for a second to interject that at some point I was supposed to mention that one of the guys Henry was with was wearing a Vanderbilt hat. Did I do that? <laughs> nope. It just says a group of five friends. One of them is supposed to be wearing a Vanderbilt hat because it's cold, and that's something that college students do, and then she would know they're from Vandy, and then it wouldn't be like a weird question that, that she's asking. And that's why we reread our stories to make sure that everything gets in because in my head, the hat's in the story, but when I just read it to you, it's not. 
So that's something I would be checking for myself because if I send it to an editor and I'm like, hey, check this, there's no way they're gonna know that I thought that there was a hat on one of the boys in my head. There's no way for them to know that and that's not a realistic expectation to have for them to know that. Maybe they might say, hey, how did you know that they were from Vanderbilt? And that's a good question to ask and I would have been like, oh, but that's not something that uh, you should expect your copy editor to catch all of those things, especially if they're just doing a light copy editing, which if you want a medium or heavy copy edit, you have to pay more because it takes longer. So just something to think about, something I'll have to go back and fix. So we're at, you guys go to Vandy, right? See, she knew because of the hat, which I didn't put in the story. <laughs> yeah, Henry said. Me too. I was wondering if my dating issues have more to do with me than the guys I like. How so? Henry asked. Well, I care too much what they think. I mean, I would never want to eat this crazy sandwich in front of a guy I like. Yeah, that's your own thing, one of Henry's friends said. I thought it would be fun to have, like, people she doesn't know interjecting in this conversation. I mean, she doesn't know Henry either, right? She's, like, kind of going out of character in that she's willing to talk to strangers because she's feeling pretty desperate after what happened with Ethan. Uh, but I think a lot of girls feel that way. I mean, I wouldn't want to look like a slob in front of someone I like either. But at the same time, how can you eat something so messy without getting it everywhere? Maybe this is a third date kind of place. Maybe, Joelle said. Hey, we're going to eat these in the park. We're going to go eat these in the park. Do you want to come with us? Henry nodded in the direction of the Parthenon. It's a public place and other people are walking around so it's safe, Joelle thought. Sure, let, just let me hose off for a second. Henry laughed. Cool. Okay, so that's, that's part two. And at this point, uh, I'm like 3,000 words in. I'm definitely going to be more than 3,000 words for this story. But um, you can see like at the end, toward the end there, so that's, that's snow shoveling if you're hearing that. Uh, we have so much snow happening right now. So you can see, like, towards the end where she's, like, thinking, it's a public place and other people are walking around so it's safe. So if you are a college-age girl and a group of five guys asks you to go with them, you're not going with them unless they're going to be in a public place and you see a ton of people around because that's not safe. So that's one of the things that... Uh, you would be thinking about. So like if you are a man and you're writing a woman's perspective, that's something that you should be thinking about. Does the woman feel safe? Because um, I, that's something I'm constantly thinking about. And that's something that I'm teaching my daughters to constantly be aware of and my son too, because he's small. But I, I feel like uh, as a woman, especially um, one out of four uh, women in the U.S. is sexually assaulted or abused, and one out of six men is sexually assaulted or abused. So those are pretty high percentages. Obviously, the percentage for women is higher. I'm not sure, and researchers are not sure, whether that's because uh, women are more likely to be assaulted but uh, or that men are less likely to report. Men are more likely to underreport. So that's something that even statist statisticians, status I can't say it. People who do statistics are not sure what the answer to that, what why that number is showing up the way it is. And also they assume they they estimate that sexual assault for women is very underreported as well, which I definitely know 
a lot of women who have been sexually assaulted or abused and did not report it. So I think that that's true. And these are just little nuances that real life people think about. And that's why we did the autobiographical story first, because we want to think about how to portray realistic characters in a realistic setting. Uh, or in this case, it's a real, realistic setting because it's contemporary. Um, but even if you have them on a space station or in a fairyland, you know, that's still something that female fairies would be thinking about if there's five male fairies saying, hey, do you want to go hang out? And she'd be like, uh, are we going to be in an open public place where other people are so I can be like, help if something crazy happens, if something crazy goes down? So that's just, um, you know, just a little hint of something that you should be thinking about when you're writing. And, you know, that's by no means an ex uh, full explanation of how to write a short story. And like I said, we're doing this so we can learn together. And uh, if you want to have your short story critiqued, which we're not finished yet, but if you want to have it critiqued by me for free, you need to go join the Facebook group, the Perfect Read Writing Group. And if you go to literarysymmetry.com forward slash FB group, just all as one word, FB group, it will forward you to our Facebook group where I will actually critique and edit your short story up to 5,000 words for free, okay? And that's a limited time offer. I'm not going to offer that indefinitely, but I do want to help you get your story edited and polished and ready to put online for everyone to see so they can see your awesome writing. So now that you've heard my second half of the story, I want you to go write your second half. And remember, you need to know before you even write the first half, maybe you haven't written it yet. You need to know what's going to happen at the end because I'm writing towards a very specific ending. I know what it is. Like I said before, I'm not going to tell you, but you will hear in the next episode where uh, we do number nine of Story Bootcamp and number 10 is going to be a recap and we're going to go through everything together and uh, I'm going to tell you again how to get your story in front of me so that I can edit it. And then you're going to be able to have a piece of work to showcase. You're going to be able to point all of your friends toward it. You could put it on Wattpad if you want, which is a great idea, or on Medium. Like I said, the goal of Story Bootcamp is to get your story out in front of other people so they can read something you've written and start to get to know you because you need to build your audience way before you ever start thinking about writing a book. Oh, author MS Harris just joined. Hello. How are you? I miss you. Uh, and so, unfortunately, that's the end of the episode. But tune in next time where we're going to finish our short story, Alone in Nashville at Christmas. And I'm going to teach you how to write the end of your short story. And then we're going to go through the editing process together in episode 10, which is really fun. And then you're going to share your story with the world, which is not intimidating at all. No, I'm, it's a little intimidating, but I'm going to help you. Oh, and also all this week while I've been helping my son do, through with like his math class while he's Zooming, I've been working on storyteller mindset and it's almost finished. And I can't wait for you to see it because it's going to help you reset your mind in three days so that you can get over the biggest hurdle that not just writers face, but that all professional people everywhere face so that you can be more productive in your work without feeling discouraged or losery. Yes, losery is not a word, I know. But that's it for me today. Remember, it is never too late to write the story of your heart. Bye. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, 
You can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing. <laughs>